0: hey everyone thank you for tuning in welcome to the prayer house podcast our mission and vision is simple to spread the good news and the gospel to the ends of the world and to do it by building a community whose foundation is jesus christ so welcome to the family we hope you guys enjoy this message and that it is a blessing to you hi so i am beyond honored to speak in the midst of everyone today and i praise god for the inspiration that and the fire that the founders of this platform have had uh, to start and keep this uh, running for so long. I mean, we see that this is happening every day, five days a week, and we've had the opportunity to hear from so many different speakers, um, which takes time and effort and energy and consistency and discipline and like all of these words that we don't love too much. Um, and so, and, and these, like these, are really difficult things to keep up. And so, I want to acknowledge you, Prayer House. I want to. I'm so excited what, uh, for what God's doing with you and the seeds that you are sowing. And I trust uh, that you and your generations will be blessed. Um, that being said, uh, welcome everyone. Thank you for being here today. Uh, My name is Aksa. I am from Long Island. I'm a pastor's kid. I'm a middle child. I'm a grad student in social work. Um, I tell you guys all of these things because I hope that it grounds your idea of who I am. I am just, I'm not a speaker. I'm just another student. I'm just a kid that actually has no idea what she's doing. Um, And so I hope that that helps um, bring it back to the fact that if anything inspiring is actually coming from my lips, it's because Jesus is bringing it there, not for any other reason. Um, and today I wanted to speak on the topic of brokenness and the pain of resigning yourself to the sovereignty of God. And I know that in 20 minutes, we're not going to cover the um, entirety of brokenness. That's, that's just a lot. Um, but I have been thinking about this for the past few months, and um, my revelations were not particularly connected to the coronavirus. But uh, now more than ever, it is apparent how limited our control is over our environment uh with the presence of this virus and the current pandemic we are forced inside isolated and people are taken away from people are taken away from us and like our traditions that we have like graduations and like prom and um birthdays and other such things and even like in sorrow in our funerals and things like that like the way that we come together the traditions that we have to bring closure are just we just don't have access to them anymore and if we actually take a good look at what's going on. And I know that I've been avoiding that, but like uh, if we take a good look at what's going on, there are some phases of our life that are pretty dark and pretty hard. And um, that's not to say that there's no reason to rejoice. There is. We serve a living God that has paid the price of salvation um, for the world. Uh, but Ecclesiastes also tells us that there is a time for weeping and there's a time for joy. Um, I don't know how many of you guys are familiar with Lisa Turker. She wrote this book called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. Um, She also wrote this book called Uninvited. I think a lot more people are uh, familiar with that. Um, But she's an amazing author. Uh, She loves the Lord. uh, And she's been through it. Um, But she talks about uh, how we exist in this life between two gardens. Um, And mankind began in the paradise of the Garden of Eden. And we now are waiting patiently uh, for the rapture in the paradise of eternity. And we are living in the reality of the already, but not yet. So we have already experienced the goodness of God. And uh, in creation, we have experienced the majesty of God in his son, Jesus, when he comes to the earth and he saves us with the cross. Um, and, but then Christians still struggle for some reason at holding onto the reality that life is going to be hard in the space between two gardens. And it's okay for us to exist in feelings of sadness for a time. And like The whole book of Lamentations is the lamenting of the prophets over the state of Israel. And so I say all this to the point of resigning yourself uh, to the will of God is heartbreaking sometimes. It really is heartbreaking. Um, and we, we talk about letting go of our old selves and dying to ourselves all the time and walking with Jesus and in what uh, Jesus has called for us. Um, but that also includes... Um, Dying to yourself is not just limited to our sins. It is, it is inclusive of our sins, but it's not just limited to that. It's also inclusive of dying to the dreams that we have and the understandings of God that we have made up in our minds. Um, so specifically tonight, I want to talk about hearing from God when he says he will do something and looking toward what he is going to, what he's going to do with excitement and expectancy and hope and then not seeing it pan out the way that we expected. And so there are two stories that I'm going to be like focusing on mostly, which is Moses and um, David and Moses. We see how God has asked him to bring the children of Israel to the promised land. And then we see this like conversation of like, let my people go. Plague. Let my people go. Another plague. Let my people go. Another plague. And like, this is like a super, like, if we like think about it, think about it real quick. Um, say you're like a kid and something's happened and um and you like talk to a Chechi or an Achachan about it. And then Chechi or Achachan goes over to mommy daddy and starts telling mommy daddy, like, you know, uh, more like she's like really strong. He was really struggling with this. And then mommy daddy's like, what the heck were you doing? So now your relationship with that Chechi or Achachan or uncle or aunt, whoever you, uh, wisely or unwisely opened up to is not the best, you know? Um, and so like, can you imagine like the stress that Moses is going through? Because the people that he's trying to help now are like, super frustrated with him because Pharaoh is like, making their lives even more difficult. So like fast forward, even through all of that, like, we go through all the plagues, we go through the sea, we go through the desert for 30, 40, 30 years, 40 years, for 40 years, we go through all of this. And then Moses is brought to the edge of the promise, like right there. the edge of the promise and god brings us actually brings him on top of a mountain and says that's the promised land you cannot go into it because of the sin that he committed in the process of bringing these people into like out of captivity and like just think i don't even have words for how crushing that must have been that process of like how crushing it must have been to be like wow we got all the way here and we can't i can't go in um and so and the thing is, like, and again, the submitting to the, the sovereignty of God, even when it doesn't look like what we want it to look like or what we thought it would look like. In the same way, David, when he was 17, he was anointed to be king. At 17, he was anointed after being forgotten. He was anointed and then he went back into the fields, right? So that did, doesn't exactly look like what kingship sounds like, right? And then he was sent to play the harp for Saul. Um, and to, to bring, so that he can bring peace. Because when he was anointed, the Bible says that the spirit of God left Saul um, and Saul was distressed. And so he's going to, to bring peace to someone that he's supposed to be taking over for, right? So there's that weird paradox there. And, um, and he's also faced with the fact that Saul now tries to kill him. And Saul is like throwing spears at him in the process of him, like trying to bring him peace. And then from that point, David is on the run. For the next 20 years, David is on the run he's in caves and in mountains and like in the desert and like losing his best friend. And like, it's so hard. Like he is struggling. He's running through the wilderness. And so what do you do? What do you do when the promises of your life do not pan out the way that you thought? What happens when things get too hard, when you've failed too many times or when you've seen too many people die or when you've withstood abuse for too long, like, what do you do? Um, I don't know how many of you guys have seen Frozen 2. Uh, I know this is like really, it sounds really far off. And I know that this is in a Christian movie, so please forgive me. And I'm trying to communicate this like without um, giving away too many spoilers. But uh, there's this point where Anna, the character, one of the main characters, Anna realizes some really earth shattering things. And she's in a cave like David or Elijah. And so we're gonna sidebar for a second. Elijah, like Angel Gigi I don't think she's on the call right now, but she, a few weeks ago, she was talking about the, Elijah and how like Elijah was this no one from nowhere, and um, he was he was one of the most powerful prophets in the Bible, most well known prophet like we know Elijah, and um, he was constantly on the run. And again, after he killed the prophets of Baal, and he ran for his life in, into a cave. And brothers and sisters, that is where God met him when he was on the run, hiding in a cave. Uh, and it, it wasn't in the wind, and it wasn't in the fire, and it wasn't in the everything else. It was in the in the still small voice in the cave. Um, and I remember going through that passage with somebody, and oh, a few people, and they were everyone that was in this conversation was like, I don't understand why David, why Elijah didn't have more faith. Like he had just seen so much happen, like so much God do do so much. And I was like, bro, Elijah just came from like being on the run, like being. In like the wilderness, like doing miracles so that he could eat, and then he he's alone, right? This no one from nowhere is alone, and he just faced off with the biggest risk you could think of by killing all the prophets of Baal. He like he won the bet, like the 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 miracle happened, like the sacrifice was taken by God, um, and then the queen turns around like, "Run, you're gonna die." And so he had like just about had it up to here. He's like, he was done. And uh, as much as we we look back and we're like, wow, we saw God do all these things. Why didn't he have more faith? Even God at that point was like, bro, you've been through a lot. Let's just take, let's eat something. Let's take a nap. And like, you know, that God understood how much he needed that rest because he literally like Elijah took rest in the wilderness and God served him fresh cakes on coals, via an angel like you you don't just get that level of like bon appetit service for no reason (laughs) like elijah had gone through it and so um anyway back to like so anna is in this cave and she doesn't know her way out and she's like she's she has this heartbreaking news and she doesn't even know what to live for and she starts to sing this song called the next right thing and there's this line in the song that goes, how do I rise up from the floor when it's not you I'm rising for? And I remember exactly when I was watching this movie, I remember, but I remember thinking, like, I know exactly what Anna is feeling. Like I, I, and we can get to that. We're going to get to that in a second. But like, I don't know how many of you guys have felt broken before, like really like broken, like losing sight of where God is kind of broken. And I'm sure, I'm sure that many of us have. Like I'm sure that some of us are going through it right now where every night tears are soaking your pillow. Every morning is a headache and like swollen eyes and on, even more just the questions aren't answered and your knees are sore from bowing in prayer, but you have no more answers than from when you began, when you hit the floor the, in the beginning of the evening. Um, and the song goes on to say, I can't look to the future. All I can do right now is to do the next right thing. And to take one step and then another, just take this breath. And so, prayer house, when the will of God, when the process to the promise breaks you, all God is asking for is just the next right thing. If that next right thing is just holding on to the fact that God is real, then do that. That's what Job did. That is what Job did. When he, um, when he lost everything, when he was destroyed and sickly and his like, friends were pouring salt on his wounds. He wasn't rejoicing. He wasn't looking on the bright side. He was cursing the day he was born. But he was asking God why. His heart was broken. His hope was lost. He, he still held on to the next right thing, was just to believe that God was real. And you know that he did that because he kept entertaining conversation with God. Like, you won't entertain, entertain conversation with someone you don't believe is real. So as angry and as broken and as, as shattered as he was, he still... He still believed that god was real so there was a season about two years ago and i was applying to grad school and i really felt like god was telling me to go to this particular place it was such a struggle i felt like i had this promise and there were so many obstacles in my way and i couldn't get approval and it was just i was just so lost and i was like god you're telling me to go to these this place but doors aren't opening. Hearts aren't changing. Like, I just don't understand. And after months of like months, like I'm talking about like six months of like serious struggle with the Lord and like most of the people around me, the whole situation kind of just folded on itself. It just collapsed. And the Lord, I mean, and like doors didn't open the way that I was expecting. And I didn't go where I thought God was calling me to go. And I was destroyed. I was so confused. I was so lost. I was angry at God, angry at the people around me. And I was angry at myself, but more than anything else, I had no idea what to do with the fact that the will of God didn't pan out the way that I thought it would. And it brought to question so many things. I was questioning why it didn't work out, why the doors didn't open. Um, Like, and all of these questions led me to this place of questioning if I had even heard from God at all. Um, And this verse of like, um, you know, when, uh, what am i referencing right now this verse of like uh my sheep know my voice kept like rattling around in my head and i was like i don't understand like if your sheep know your voice like how did i get this so wrong like where where did i go wrong um and i was like i was so it was just serving to confuse me even more um And I was like spiraling into this question of if I even if I knew God at all. And after 21 years of growing up in the church, it terrified me to think like, like, did I have this all wrong? Like, I got to this place where I was like, am I like, am I really even saved? Like, do I know Jesus? And it brought me to this reality recently that I was like, wow, it is amazing what the enemy will do when you are vulnerable. It is amazing what the enemy will try to convince you of. When you're in a state like that Uh, and that is why community is so important if you like i was i was listening to a sermon once that was talking about how the enemy is like a wolf and we are like sheep and wolves don't pick off sheep that are in the center they pick off weak sheep that are on the edge because they can't fight for themselves they can't um they, they don't have the safety of the numbers. And so when we are in seasons like this, it's so hard to want to be in community, to want to be in the presence of God, to want to be with our brothers and sisters. It's really hard. And like, sometimes our community doesn't make it easy. <laughs> it doesn't make it easy to be together, but you know, it's still all that much more important to believe, like to, to stay there. Um, and so I didn't know, I didn't know, I was in this place where I didn't know how to talk to God. I didn't know what to ask him. I couldn't trust if I was actually hearing from him or I was just making everything up in my head. But all I could do was believe. And that, that was something the enemy could never take away from me. However angry or confused or scared or broken I was, I knew that as long as I believed that God was real, I just had told to him that God was real. Even if it was hard to hold on to the goodness of God, as long as God was real, every, like things were going to be okay in the end. Whatever okay meant, it was going to be okay. So I don't know who I'm talking to today. Like I really don't know who this is supposed to be for. But when I was going through this season, because like, when I was going through this season, people were asking me to pray for them and mentor them. And I was like, ooh, girl, like, if you knew where I was, where me and Jesus are right now, like you would not be asking me to pray for you he would be asking if you could pray for him. It's just, no. Uh, so we might not be able to recognize all the time when, um, when our brothers and sisters are in that season or they're in their season where they're like fighting with God. Um, and like, I it, I, it was in one of those seasons where I was trying to speak about this very thing and it printed pretty badly. So I was like, you know what, we're going to shelve this until we've explored it a little bit more, like processed it and like let Jesus into that a little bit more. And I still don't have a lot of the answers. I still don't have a lot of the answers that I'm looking for. And I've gotten to this place where I'm content with that. I've resigned myself to the understanding that we will not get all of the answers on this side of eternity. And that even if I do find my answers in this life, it might not be today or tomorrow or next year or when I'm like 55. Like sometimes the hardest part is surrendering to the sovereignty of God, even when it doesn't make sense. So, at the height of this heartbreak, I was at a baby shower uh, and a chichi who had vaguely heard what had happened from someone else and asked me what went down. And I like didn't have the bandwidth in the moment to tell her. And I didn't have the distance from the situation to even synthesize. Like, have you ever been in a place where you're just like, everything is, ha- I don't even know what's happening, but everything is happening. Um, and so like with the one or two sentences that I did get to tell her, um, she looked at me and she was just like, I know your heart is broken. And I have no idea why, but those six words became the bomb of Gilead on my heart. Like, I have no idea, but I really, I don't even think at this point she knows how powerful those words were. But I really think that God put those words in her mouth to give them to me. And that is another thing to keep in mind. When we see someone else in pain with as much perspective or wisdom or knowledge we think we have, we still must be very careful with our words. The word of God tells us that our tongues have the power of life and death, right? And so we have no idea how deeply the stone of our words falls into the lake of somebody else's life. Like you toss that stone, and once it crosses the surface, that's it, you don't know where it's landing. Um, and so, I don't know. Okay, so because, and because things did not make sense to me in that season it also didn't make sense to the people around me and everyone was trying to explain my hurt and like justify why things were went the way they did and all the ways that I was wrong and like not only that didn't serve anyone especially didn't serve me and like looking to looking forward looking to next year or next month or even next week was just not something that I could do right And so Lisa, again, in that book that I was talking about earlier, talks about seasons like this where we need to take life one tablespoon at a time. Like just hold on to the truth that God is real. Um, And it was months after this, after wrestling with God and asking questions and listening to sermons and processing before I got to a place where I have some semblance of an understanding over what happened. Uh, And the biggest lesson that I learned though was that we have very limited control we have no control, actually, no control of, of, a, of the world that is spinning around us, and submitting to God's will in our life will sometimes look like waiting for God to open doors that we're sure should be open, but somehow they're, like, stuck. Um, it's trusting that even when you see that this year is going, next year is going, the year after is going, the year after is going, and God isn't bringing you to the promised land, or he's, or it's or it's too late, you're 100 and you can't have a child, or this doesn't make sense, I'm running for my life in the land that I'm supposed to be ruling. Like Those are the seasons where God is forging his image in you, when he is pruning you of all of your impurities and your disillusioned understandings of him and creating you, creating in you a heart that is more like his, surrendering to the sovereignty of God and the sub- subsequent understanding that you just cannot. Like you do not have the power so that God will bring you into seasons to show you how you cannot so that you could finally make room for him to do it. Um, Because the thing is, the more we struggle, the more we strive, the more we try, that only leaves space for us to take glory. So God will bring you to this breaking point of realizing like you can't. And as long as you keep struggling, you won't. Because when you, when you realize, when you finally get to this point of like, you, I can't, that means you cannot take any glory for what God is doing. Um, so, uh, I'm sorry, i looking at my notes. Okay. And so that was like, that's a, I think this realization brought so much peace also because Exodus 14, 14 was, uh, it says, like, the Lord will fight for you, you know, only to be still, right? So these crushing seasons, when everything hurts and you cannot find God, like, the thing that the enemy cannot take away from you is that your belief in God is real. Like, so if we let God, just let God do what God is doing, and we hold on to this idea, this understanding that God is real, like, there is nothing that can move us. It feels like we're drowning, but we, we won't. We won't die. You're not going to die there. Um, like, So my last few anecdotes, because like we're church kids and we love anecdotes, um, is is something that I heard from a T.D. Jake sermon, actually, um, and it's about grapes and um, grapes have to go through this crushing process. Grapes do not become wine just by existing. Um, They have to be crushed and pressed and destroyed and drained of their juice before they become what they need to be. They go through season, the processes of being crushed and pressed and then strained and sifted. And then they're enclosed in the darkness of a bottle until they're fermented. It's only after all this that they're ready to be presented uh, and served at parties. And it's only after this that when people enjoy them, people enjoy them the way that they do. And it's only after this process that they affect people the way that they do. And like, not a permission slip to go drink wine. Like, I, that's a different conversation. But like, when you let wine ferment, right? That is when it has power over people, right? When you let God do what God is gonna do in you, when he crushes you and leaves you in the darkness and when he lets you ferment and strains the dregs out of you, you are more powerful than you could ever be as grapes, right? Um, And this last thing is the last thing I'm gonna say um, is another um, little note that Lisa Turkis left in her book. And it was about potters, and we all know, like this, this conversation—not this conversation—like this analogy that God uses: is Himself being the potter, and we being the clay. And one thing about potters is that they take pots; they take clay pieces that didn't work out the way that they were supposed to, and they break them. Not only do they break them, they crush them, they grind them down, and this this ground down version of the pot is called grout and what grout is supposed to do is it's supposed to be put into new clay and this grout makes the clay able to withstand fires much, much hotter and when the, uh, when the clay is being um, glazed, the glaze comes out so much more beautiful. And there's a, there's a science to this grout where if it's um, too coarse, when it's spinning on the wheel with the clay, it's going to cut the potter's hand. And when it's too fine, it's going to actually make the new clay pot weaker than it's supposed to be. And so when this, in this process of holding on to the fact that God is real, when we're in these really dark seasons, to trust that God is not going to put you in a place that you're going to be weaker in the future but to be stronger and to be more beautiful in the future that this crushing is is going to only be for so long and it is with purpose that when you are added to this new clay that you can go through things much harder and you can withstand things to a to a different degree and you will become so much more beautiful you will become so much more what god has called you to what god has called you to be um yeah, so the Lord knows just how finely to crush you. Um, I hope that this was helpful. <laughs> May God bless you with these words. Thanks again for tuning in. We pray over you today that the word of God touched you and transformed you as only his word can. Rate us and leave a review if you can. We'd really appreciate it. Till then, keep searching, keep listening for his voice, and we'll see you again next time, fam.